thesugargeekshow.com and sign up for access to our whole library of bacon content as well as delicious recipes and tips for you to try. You can also check her out at Sugar Geek Show on any social media platforms. You can check out this podcast on our website www.fascinatingjobs.xyz or on Instagram at fascinating underscore jobs underscore pod and Twitter at fascinating jobs. I'm always looking for fan questions just like the one you heard in today's episode plus there's plenty of good discussion and updates about the show. Tag me with any questions or comments and be sure to subscribe and rate and review wherever you listen to this podcast to let me know you're enjoying it. And if someone you know has a fascinating job, be sure to email me at fascinatingjobspod at gmail.com for a chance to be a guest on the show. Thank you so much for listening and enjoying this podcast and I'll see you in the next episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. Today, I'm here with Liz Merrick. Liz, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to have you on this episode. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. So um, would you like to briefly introduce yourself to our listeners before we begin? Sure. So as you said, my name is Liz, and I am the owner of Sugar Geek Show, which is an online cake decorating school, but also a blog where I post lots of yummy recipes. I have an Instagram, a YouTube channel, um, Facebook, all that good stuff. But uh, when people ask me what I do, I basically say I create content for the cake decorating and baking community. So that's kind of what I do. Yeah, cool. That was like a really great overview of everything that you do because it's like it's a wide range, I'd say. Yeah, I used to just say, oh, I'm a cake decorator, but it's like I very rarely am decorating cakes these days. It seems like I'm making lots of baking and cake related content, but not for customers like I used to. So it's mostly just making making content for the community is what I do. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, so I guess kind of like jumping off of that, so do you want to explain a little bit like how did you get into baking itself and cake decorating? Sure, I'd love to. So I think a lot of people think that people who bake or cake decorate have always been good at it or that somebody taught them, and that was actually not the case for me. When I was growing up, I never baked anything. I had We, we maybe made a couple of things. Like I remember making cornbread muffins out from like a box, like a jiffy <laughs> box. Um, we always did those like croissants that come in like the can. And I would always like get really scared trying to open them. Like the pop always freaked me out. Oh, yeah. But, we, you know, but we never like baked stuff. Like I never had a grandma who was teaching me the ways of cake decorating or anything like that. So it wasn't actually until my late 20s that I started baking, and it was totally by accident. I was working as a graphic designer. I had my first job as like a, not an illustrator, but a marketing director. So I was not only, it was not only my first job, but I was like in charge of all of the like creative, and it was so stressful, and I constantly was like, do I really know what I'm doing? (laughs) Like, you know, because I didn't have a lot of experience. And I was just getting really, really stressed. And I didn't know, which is really clear now after the pandemic, right, that baking is very therapeutic. So I was just like having one of my stressful days and was watching Food Network as you did back then and just watching all of the baking shows. And this one show came on called Ace of Cakes. And at first I was just like, oh, this is cool. They're making like different decorated cakes. And at one point, some guy like started make like cutting wood and then they started building like this structure and then he was trying to put a motor on it and I was like what is happening like I've never seen cakes like these before 
And I just like got addicted to this show and I just started watching it. And I was like, gosh, these people seem like they're having so much fun and it's so creative. I didn't even know you could make cakes like this. And so without telling anybody, like my husband, nobody, I just thought, you know, I'm going to try and make a cake. And I like went to the store and now remember, I don't know how to bake. <laughs> I just went to the <laughs> store. I got myself a lemon box mix, a can of lemon buttercream. Um, I didn't even know what fondant was. I, I only knew from like what I saw on the TV show, but I had never used it before. And this is going to, this sounds so stupid, but I didn't even know how to cut fondant or, or how to like make shapes out of it. So I wanted to make polka dots on this little lemon cake, but I didn't know to just use a cutter, which sounds so simple. So I bought very large sized sprinkles that are that I could use as polka dots talk about doing it the hard way (laughs) (laughs) so uh that was my very first experience of making a cake of course you can imagine that frosting did not stick to the cake the cake was way too soft and um it did not look very pretty at all it had a nice plastic duck on top of it (laughs) some polka dots but I gave it to my friend um, for her daughter's first birthday, and oh my gosh, she was so excited, and her daughter loved it, and she kept this little duck forever. It was like this special thing, you know, it, it just, I was like, oh my gosh, this is how it feels to make cakes for people. This is the best feeling I've ever had in my whole life, and I was just hooked. I was immediately hooked. So, um, in my late twenties, all of my friends were getting married, all of my friends were getting engaged. And, um, every time something would happen, like somebody get engaged, oh, I'm making you a cake. Oh, you're getting married. Oh, I'm gonna make you a cake. <laughs> you know, <laughs> literally having no idea what I'm doing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll make you a cake. And like, like I knew what I was doing. Um, and I just became really addicted to that feeling and it felt like it fulfilled this creative part of me that I had been missing out on. Um, but that was literally just the beginning of why I started. I didn't think that this was something I was going to stick with or was going to be my career. It was not purposeful at all. It just kind of was like a hobby that I was like, oh yeah, this will be fun. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So what happened was I, this is going to, this is going to sound crazy, but my job was really toxic. My boss was very toxic, but I didn't really know she was toxic because it was my first job. And, um, one day I was printing something out at work. Uh, I don't remember what it was, but it was, it was something for a cake. It was, oh, it was, I think it was a contract. I think it was a contract that I had someone sign and I was printing it out at work. And of course I went to go pick it up and, and this is not a color contract. It's just black and white, like five cents, like not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and it was at my, on my lunch, you know, and she came by and she was like, oh, what's that? And I was like, um, oh, this is a, for a cake order that I had this weekend. And she was like, what do you mean a cake order? And I was like, oh, you know, I'm making cakes on the side. And she had the weirdest reaction to that and was like, well, you're putting a lot of creative energy into making cakes for other people. And we really want you to stay focused on the creative projects that work. And I was like, what? Like, you're telling me that I can't make cakes on the weekend, like on my own time. And I just thought it was really strange. So then I felt like I had to hide the fact that I was making cakes, like it was some sort of illegal thing that I was doing. Um, And I think that once she realized I was kind of doing this thing on the side, she started just putting more and more pressure on me to perform at the job and work longer hours. And um, so then I tried to quit. 
and said, you know, I'm done. I'm going to put my two weeks notice in like you normally do. And she proceeded to like chew my ear off for two hours telling me that I should not quit, that I was throwing my career away and, you know, was just really like now as now that I'm older, I'm just like, I cannot believe that ever happened because that is so not normal. (laughs) But, you know, at the time I was like, gosh, maybe this is just how it is. But uh, because she basically would not accept my two weeks notice, I decided to just never go back to work. (laughs) So (laughs) I never showed up the next day and I never went back. So when people say, like, how did you leave your job? Like, how did you plan for that? It's like, uh, not in the best way. (laughs) I kind of just (laughs) walked out, but I did have a really good reason. And, um, and, and it was just me and my husband, you know, we're just like, we're just fresh out of college, living in a little duplex. And, um, it wasn't like we had kids to support or, I mean, we're still eating ramen for dinner, like on normal basis. So Mm -hmm. it didn't seem like that big of a deal. And then I just thought, oh, I'm going to maybe look for another job as a a graphic designer and make cakes on the side. But first, hey, you know, hubby, who knows how to uh, design websites, could you make me a little website really quick where I can put these pictures of the seven whole cakes that I've made so far? And I'm going to do a little online gallery just um, so that if I ever do get another order, I can point them to like the work that I've done so far, right? Because we didn't have Facebook um, we had, so we had, uh, MySpace, but I wasn't using MySpace for that at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was no Instagram, nothing like that. So he put this website up for me, took him just like a day, threw it up there. I think we, we, that's when we decided to call it artisan cake company. It was a name my sister came up with and she, cause I was an artist. So she's like, you know, if you're an artist, it's like, you're an artisan, but you're like making art, but it's cakes. So I was like, Oh, I love it. And that's how my name got chosen. And he put that website up, and I'm not kidding you. Immediately, I started getting inqu- inquiries about orders. Like, not even trying. Uh, all of a sudden, like, people who need wedding cakes and birthday cakes. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? I, How did they find me? You know? And back then, this is 2007, 2008, uh, I just didn't realize that websites were how people found people to do things like wedding cakes. Um, I thought maybe they used phone books. I know this is like really old technology now, but I just didn't know. And so I accidentally started a cake business that way. (laughs) And of course, every single person who asked me to make a cake, I would say yes. And, uh, you know, even if I didn't know how to do it, I tried to figure out a way to do it. Uh, And there was a lot, a lot I did not know how to do. So now in my cake groups, 12 years later and I see the newbies I have this Facebook group cake noobs and um, sometimes a newbie will say hey you know I just want I have this cake that I need to make I'm not sure how to make it does anybody have any tips and they'll just get like reamed by like professional cake decorators in the group or like you shouldn't even be selling without knowing what you're doing and I have to be come in and be like okay just like take it back a second because like thou shalt not judge you know I, <laughs> I was the worst possible person I cannot sit here on my throne and say that I never sold a cake without knowing what I was doing because I never ever knew I under mm-hmm. I underpriced myself and I'm not saying that's the way to do it but I just get, I understand how it happens you just like start doing something and then all of a sudden somebody's asking you to make a wedding cake and you're like well I want to and I want that experience 
but I don't actually know how to do it yet. So you keep you're in this constant mode of trying to stretch yourself into a new technique, and then sometimes things go wrong, and then people are like, "Oh, you should have known." And it's like, well, you know, everybody I think has done this. It just didn't used to be on social media, right? It yeah. used to just be in the privacy of your own home, crying like, "What have I got myself into?" <laughs> so uh, I did start making cakes and I did start like getting lots of orders. And at first I just made everything that people brought pictures for. Um, I didn't have really my own style or my own design. Cause I was really just struggling to keep up with techniques, you know, having no training whatsoever. I think I took one Wilton class where they um, kind of show you how to make Wilton buttercream. And I did some like star tip piping, like super old school. You know, remember those shaped pans? Oh yeah. And you'd, you'd like star tip the whole thing to make it look like a pattern or whatever. Um, that was literally the extent of my training <laughs> and it wasn't pretty. So then in 2008, uh, a recession happened where a lot of graphic designers lost their jobs. So Honestly, there was not, a, there were no jobs for me to go back to. I basically had to decide then, was I going to be a cake decorator or was I going to try and find some other job to help support the family? My husband lost his job, so he, you know, immediately was looking for jobs. I think he had three or four jobs in two, just 2008 because of how, like, up and down the market was. So while he was doing that, I was out here like trying to hustle cakes. And so I said yes to everything I could get. I took every order I could get. And we were not making very much money because I didn't know how to price myself. But uh, in all fairness, I don't truly think that I owe, I was deserving any more money than I got paid. Because, you know, some of these cakes are ugly, like so hideous, like foil, like tin foil boards and just messy everything. And I know you get what you pay for. Yeah. (laughs) It was a good way to learn, but um, that's kind of how it all got started. It definitely wasn't purposeful. So sometimes when people say, you know, what's your advice on getting started? It's like, um, (laughs) I don't know how good of a person I am to ask about that. I'm not a super planner. I just tend to say yes to things and I kind of see where it will go. And if it doesn't work out, well, I tried, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and, but if you don't try, like, you never know. If what I had said no to those first few cakes, then what would have happened? What job would I have now? Where would I be, you know? Maybe yeah. I'd still just be a sad graphic designer, like, wishing I, you know, could figure out something I love to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of where we are now. Yeah, that's so cool. I, like, that was, like, a really, really great, like, overview of kind of, like, your whole story. And I think that's so interesting when you were bringing up Ace of Cakes at the beginning because... I I enjoy baking, like, it's a hobby, but, um, I was, like, homesick one day in, like, elementary school, and I, like, watched that show on Netflix, and Dara, like, I was so addicted as well, like, it's, it's so fascinating, like, yeah, yeah, and they're so fun to watch, they just look like they're having the best time, and I got to meet Duff one time, and I was like, oh, man, I'm so nervous, like, is he gonna be how he really seems, he's even chiller, like then they see he seems on he's just so laid back like he skateboarded into the room and was like and just like he had like a backpack on and like cargo shorts and just like sat down like he was just some joe schmo off the like street and was like (laughs) hey guys what's up and i was just like uh hey duff um what's up (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> am I really just like standing next to you and you're just pretending like you're nobody? Okay, cool, 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 cool. I'll just, yeah, we're doing that. <laughs> yeah. Know? Where were you guys that he like skateboarded in though? Uh, this was a, for one of my, actually, I think it was my very first cake competition that I went to go film. It was Duff Till Dawn. And uh, Avalon, my daughter, she's six now. And at the time, I think she was about eight months old. And uh, I wasn't exactly, <laughs> wasn't probably like physically ready to like go do a TV show, but it was my first opportunity. So I said yes, like I do. And my best friend, Devin, uh, she's somebody I went to graphic design school with. She flew with me and helped me take care, take my daughter with me, who was eight months old. And she basically hung out with her backstage, like kept her happy. And I would take breasts to go or take breaks to go breastfeed her and make sure she was okay. And then I would go back to filming. And Duff was like, yeah, sure, whatever you got to do. Like, he was totally fine with it. So we, that was the show where I was, like, there with my with my kid and my friend, which now after doing multiple TV shows, like, they would never. There's no, there's no way that would be okay. Like, they're so secret about who's on mm-hmm. set and, you know, who's coming and going. He was like, yeah, it's cool. Bring your baby. Like, it's a party. I was like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it was really cool. He was very nice. Yeah, that is super cool. Yeah, I know. It always seems like so much fun. My grandma lives in, um, like, just outside of Baltimore. And so, like, you know, one day we went to, like, the original Charm City Cakes and we got to take a class there. And, like, Duff wasn't even there. I don't know why I was, like, so nervous to go in and, like, go decorate cupcakes <laughs> or whatever. But <laughs> I was just like, That's oh. cool that you got to actually be in the building, though. Like, yeah. you actually got to be in the space where they filmed. Yeah, That's I was, so like, cool. totally fangirling, and, like, clearly I was the, like, only, like, person under, like, probably, like, 25 there who had watched it. I was, like, 10 or 11, <laughs> but. <laughs> You're a uh, connoisseur of the old school televised, televised cake shows. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, it was just, like, on Netflix or something like that. Like, I didn't watch it live. But, yeah, that's so funny. And I think, yeah, I think that was so cool how you just kind of, like, started your business like that. And you kind of got a website and everything. Like, mm-hmm. I thought that – I think that's, like, just so interesting because, like, I feel like, yeah, that's kind of, like, a common theme on this podcast is we've just been seeing, like, people are just kind of, like, jump in and do what, like, yeah. you kind of want to do and, like, what you think that you might be – well, yeah, what you think that you might, like, enjoy and be good at and – yeah, yeah, I think that's just, like, really interesting. Let me ask you a question as someone who likes to bake, right? Mm-hmm. And it's your hobby. So this isn't, the, like I said, I usually say yes to things. If it comes up, you know, I'm just like, sure, whatever. But I know a lot of my members or people who are in my groups, they have a really hard time saying yes to things because they're afraid of something. And I'm not exactly sure what that thing is. So, you know, like if you were, if, if somebody came to you and they said, Hey, I want you to make a, a wedding cake or something. Cause I love your style. And you're just like, Oh my gosh, I've never made a wedding cake. What, what stops you from saying yes? <laughs> I think that like, if you're somebody who bakes as a hobby and you don't like see it as your job and you're not like, okay, like this is what I do. Like, this is what I do all the time. You're just kind of like, why would you ask me like I don't have like enough skills to do it like you know I might not be qualified or especially if you have like another job or school like you Mm -hmm. know because I'm still in school and I'm just always like you know like what if like you know I have something at school that week and then I like can't finish the cake on time and then like you know all these things just kind of like go through so I think that like that's kind of what's a little bit different than if you like just kind of do it as your full-time job but yeah I've taken like a couple orders off the 
side, you know, like for my cousin and <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's how it starts, right? Yeah. <laughs> I totally understand that because I do sometimes say yes to too many things and I, like at 11 o'clock at night I'm just like why did I do this to myself this is terrible yes. <laughs> I'm so tired <laughs> um but then what happens is I post the pictures and everybody's like oh my gosh I love it so much you're the best I'm like ah this feeling is amazing <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah like it, it then, totally makes it worth it and then yeah, yeah it does it does I'm just addicted to the attention I guess <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, I get this, because, like, there's just, like, I feel like, especially when you were describing, like, I feel like sometimes there's just so much coming at you, and you just, like, want to do everything, like, possible, and then it's so hard to say no sometimes. It is, and it's exciting, you know? You're just like, okay, I have such a busy week, I've got all these things going on, especially now that I have kids, oh my gosh, it's so hard to schedule things and plan ahead, and then somebody comes along, and they're like, hey, Liz, can you uh, make me a like floating cake that's actually like got like run by magnets this is not happening but I wish it would so if anybody hears this and you want a floating cake just like hit me up but (laughs) you know you'd be like oh my gosh that sounds so cool I want to do that and then suddenly you're saying yes because you're so excited and then you're like oh no I'm so busy (laughs) yeah (laughs) but that happens it's okay (laughs) yeah I know yeah and like I think that's just kind of like part of the growing pains of like starting a business or I guess just even a hobby like yeah I've been up late late baking some nights you know (laughs) just (laughs) I've been getting into like cookie decorating as well like I don't know why I just like find that so therapeutic and it's just like yeah I don't know I could just like do it and watch tv or I don't know yeah no, I cookie decorating is not one of those things I've gotten super into because I don't like royal icing I just it eludes me. It confuses me. I like understand how to do basic flooding and outlining, but I see these, like, I'm sure you've seen them too. Yeah. Like you see them on Instagram, the stuff that they can do, you're just like, did you just make a three-dimensional multi-layer, like, and then now you're like dusting it and painting it and just like, what is, this is incredible. So I definitely have a whole level of uh, respect for cookie decorators that I'm just like, I don't, I don't even know how you did that. <laughs> oh yeah. Like I do pretty like basic kind of stuff. Yeah, like, some people like they somehow are able to pipe in like perfect calligraphy and I like have never understood oh. how one would do that. Yes. Oh my gosh. The handwriting. You're just like, did you, what? Like, yeah. did you just do c- cursive with a piping tip? Like what? <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, I can't like get a straight line and I'm just like. <laughs> I always have problems with like the consistency of the Royal being too thick or thin. So then I'll be squeezing too hard and it'll like come out wiggly yeah. or it, or I think it looks good. And then it just starts like oozing further and further. You're like, okay, I guess that was a little bit too runny. <laughs> but I suppose with anything, it just comes with practice. I'm sure there's lots of things in the cake world that people are like, uh, that is not as easier as you're making it look with Miss Liz Merrick. And I'm like, <laughs> well, okay, think about this. I have done this 5,000 times in my career. So yeah. by now it just is, I've worked out the kinks and I understand kind of how it works. Um, but the, yeah, I haven't been able to dive into cookies. Yeah. I just, I just, uh, look at them from afar. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I've never, like, I don't understand how, like, people make those, like, I think you do that as well, like, they're, like, full, like, head cakes, and, like, that's so cool to me. Like, I would never be able to do that. Oh, my gosh. I, so when I was 13, I really clearly remember 
deciding that I wanted to be a painter, like when I grew up and, um, I didn't, I, I, this is going to sound so nerdy. Oh my gosh. I don't think I've ever told anybody this. <laughs> I wanted to be a person who painted the covers for, uh, like, um, adventure fantasy novels. Just, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's like, a good so, job. I know. So I really, I was like, I'm going to start working on my oil painting. I'm going to start studying anatomy. I already did like drawing people, but I specifically started uh, studying this guy, Boris Vallejo. I actually don't know if that's how you pronounce his last name, but, um, Mm -hmm. and his wife, Julie Bell, they both did this very specific type of painting that was like action, adventure, people with muscles, you know, beautiful women. And it was, they did a lot of like covers and I was really into graphic novels and, um, you know, geeky reading when I was a kid. So I, and I always loved the artwork that was on the front of it. So I was like, I want to be the person who draws and paints those types of things. And so I started just learning about anatomy proportions of the face and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where it started. And then as I got older, um, I had unfortunately some people in my life who just kind of told me that it wasn't a realistic goal to be a painter. And so I just kind of kept that as a hobby for a long time, but had it in my mind, Oh, I need to get a real job like as an artist. And that's how I fell into graphic design. Surprise, surprise. I did not enjoy it because it's not like being an artist, you know, it's very Mm -hmm. different. And, uh, but when I started doing cake decorating, one of the very first cakes I ever did was a bust cake, like a face to shoulders. And um, all of that knowledge and understanding of anatomy just translated very easily to, well, not super easy. It's a three-dimensional space, not drawing. So there was some like, uh, I don't understand exactly how eyebrows and like eye sockets work uh, because it's like a three-dimensional space. And the lips always look a little too weird. Noses don't even get me started on how complicated those are. <laughs> uh, this person doesn't even have ears. Let's forget the ears. Their ears are covered in hair, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, that, again, was one of those things that not a lot of people were doing. So I would always get lots and lots of positive feedback whenever I'd make a 3D cake like that. And it made me want to make more, you know. Mm-hmm. And then as I, I think just maybe two maybe three years ago uh was my last anatomy class no I was pregnant so uh, two years ago I was pregnant with my son and I got to take a sculpting class from my favorite sculptor in the whole world Philip Perot he's a French uh sculptor and you know we got to sculpt with clay and I got to stand around a bunch of the other like real life sculptors and kind of learn how to do that whole thing and and then we went around the room and everybody introduces themselves and like, Hey, what, what do you, what kind of artist are you? And how do you, you know, and everybody's talking mm-hmm. about their websites and their work. And then I'm like, hi, I'm Liz. I make cakes that look like people. And he's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I'm like, here, let me casually pull out some pictures and show you. <laughs> and I, it would felt really, really cool to like impress, impress him um, with our sculptures that are made out of chocolate you know, and, and cake. And he was like, so you're telling me that you can sculpt chocolate just like you can sculpt clay. And he was really interested in that whole process. And he thought it was really cool and unique too. And so, um, it's definitely not something I think that like, I love to teach 
how to how to sculpt faces and how to do all of that but I think it's such a specific interest you know like you really have to be the type of person who enjoys that and also wants to build on your own knowledge of anatomy on your own time Mm -hmm. because we're not going to like I'm not going to be able to teach you everything I know about anatomy in a one eight hour class uh and and I even was pulling my own knowledge from when I was a teenager in my very first cake. So if you have no anatomy and knowledge and you're trying to do it for the first time, imagine what a struggle that will be because you're now learning and doing at the same time. So, uh, I don't do many of those classes anymore. I think enough people have asked that I probably will do one again when things open up again, uh, just because it's fun, but it's like, most people just want to know how to make a yummy cake yeah. <laughs> these days, you know? They're like, maybe a stacked cake, maybe a birthday cake, but, like, they even see the stuff I do or I have done in the past, and they're like, what? Like, I can't even comprehend how that is a cake. And I'm like, I know, I know, it's a weird, very niche interest of mine. Um, let's just get back to talking about wedding cakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why people, like, you know, hire a cake decorator to do all those crazy things because it's not something that everybody can just, like, you know, do it automatically. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It takes a lot of skill, a lot of practice, and that's why there's so many different bakers with different um styles Mm -hmm. because you can just focus on anything like you're talking about watching people who do cookies and there's people who just make cupcakes and there's people who just make like um drip cakes or they just really specialize in sugar flowers and or isomalt and um i'm just i think that i would probably have gotten along further in my career faster if i had just focused on one you know, type of Mm -hmm. style and kind of stuck with it, even if that was just sculpted cakes. The problem is, is I just am so interested in everything. (laughs) I'm just so (laughs) curious. I I can't stop myself. Every time I see a trend, I'm like, I want to try that and I want to do it. And so, uh, even, even when I make TikToks, I see some of my friends who have been doing TikTok for less time than I have been, and they have already surpassed me in followers because they just stick to what they're really good at, you know? They really stick to their style. And then I'm over here just, like, bouncing from idea to idea because I just can't help myself. (laughs) (laughs) It's fun, though, right? If you're not having fun, what's the point? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, and it's good to, like, try new things because I feel like there are so many, like, cake trends, like, constantly going on. Like, I just see so much stuff, and I'm like, oh, wow, that's, like, really cool. Like, I, I don't even know, like, where people come up with this stuff, and they're, like, still coming up with new ideas. But, like, it's just, it's so cool. It's always changing. The, the speed at which cake trends travel is insane to me. Like, I remember when a cake trend would happen, and it would be, like, that for like the next two years or sometimes even three years, like rustic cakes, for for example, when I was kind of at the peak of my wedding cake production and do, making cakes for other people, it was around 2016, 2014, 2016. And everybody wanted a rustic cake. Everybody wanted it to look like a birch log or, you know, like a bunch of tree branches that were all stacked on top of each other. And we, there would be jokes in, like, the cake groups of when will the rustic cake trend die? Like, what is going on with this? And it just laughed. it go on. I hear drums. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, no, that's going to make it into the episode. Yes, that's that is. Okay. That's my brother. He's... <laughs> You're like, really, bro? Like, <laughs> yes, I know. 
joke's on me for like, you know, making time in my schedule to do an interview while he is having his drum lesson. But you know, we'll we'll power through. It'll just be some nice background music. Right. <laughs> At first I was like, is that my laundry machine going? <laughs> no, it's okay, sure. No, it's okay, like really so... like rhythmic. Oh no. Yeah, all right. <laughs> now I'm like on the I'm on the beat now. Yeah. It's like Okay, so anyways, oh yeah, so rustic mm -hmm. cakes were this thing for a super long time. They would not go away, and I feel like only recently they did actually go away. But And then it was like drip cakes. Drip cakes was a trend, which is still kind of a trend. Um, it Actually, I think it just might be a technique that's deeply seeded into all of cake decorating forever and ever. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's ever going to go away. But uh, now it's like, oh, the Jello Jelly Island cake is a trend. And it was a trend for like a month. And then it was gone. And yeah. then there was like this uh, trend where they took, this was around Christmas time, where you would take, a, what was it called? I don't remember what it was called. Where you take the crystal sugar and make a wrap around a cake. I don't remember what it was called. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. And I can't, and everybody was trying to figure out how to do it and like was trying it out and doing lives and trying to dissect it. And it, and then that went away. So it's, it's interesting how, I don't know if trends are going to stick around like they used to for years and years, or if it's just going to be like literally every month there's a different trend. Like mm -hmm. I, th what did I see just recently that somebody told me was a new trend? And I was like, really already again? <laughs> Oh, it's the one where they take the acetate that's around the cake and they put like ganache or something in there and then they lift the acetate up and the ganache drips down oh, and it yeah. looks like a dress. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? Oh, I yeah. I just sent like those videos I was so many times and I'm just like, I where did this come from? Like, how did this happen? And then now it's gone again. It's, it's already mm -hmm. gone. You're just like, okay, well, that was fast. <laughs> yeah. I think it's because of social media too, because like people have like all sorts of these different ideas and like things just travel so quickly. And then like everyone kind of tries it and they're like, okay, like on to the next thing. Whereas like, I remember, I remember rustic cakes and I was like, not even, I was like pretty young during that or like naked cakes for weddings. Oh yeah. Uh -huh. I forgot about that. Yes, you're right. Naked cakes. That was huge, huge, mm. huge. And all of the cake decorators loved it because it was less work. They're like, you're telling me I don't have to put a final coat of buttercream on my cake? This is the best decoration ever. Yes. Yeah, I know my mom, like, writes a lot about weddings because she's just, like, a magazine author and stuff like that. And she did so many, like, naked cakes and, yeah, like, mm -hmm. with the flowers on them, like, the fresh flowers. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Such a such a huge trend. Um, and do you remember, since you've seen Dustil, or you've seen Ace of Cakes. Yeah. That, that trend during that time was the topsy-turvy cake. Do oh, yeah. That? Yeah, so it was like, oh, like kind of a, I always think of it as like the Alice in Wonderland style, where it's kind of mm -hmm. like, looks like it's all whoopsie-daisy on both sides, and he'd have the little stars coming out of the top with the yeah. little, yeah, balls of fondant, and then you're just like, oh my gosh, that is such an old, old trend. But uh, I forgot about it. I like totally forgot. Like that was the whole style when I was very first starting cake decorating in 2007. Like everybody did topsy turvy cakes. Yeah, and like one layer would have like polka dots, and then other one would have stripes, and like yeah, yep. they would kind of be. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yep, that's exactly it. Thank God that's over. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that seems like stressful. really hard to make. It was. It was. <laughs> I remember making one. Uh, I remember making one. And the fondant just straight up fell off because it's a, it's a, it's a curve or not a curve, but it's an angle. Mm -hmm. So the top of the cake is wider than the bottom. 
and the fondant like would not stick to the cake and you know even now I don't even know why I'm, I'm not exactly yeah. sure why it didn't stick and maybe because it wasn't chilled uh, I don't know because mm-hmm. uh it seems like it should stick but I just remember being like delivering the cake and the fondant was like unsticking itself from the cake and I was just like mm-hmm. oh no yeah <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, I know the trends are like so fun. So yeah, I think that that's like kind of like good. I guess segueing into our next like question, I don't know. So you were mentioning earlier how you like um, first started out in your business was artisan cakes and now mm-hmm. you have like sugar geek show. So yeah. um, how did you kind of like transition from like artisan cakes and like making cakes in the business to like now doing more like social media work? Oh yeah, okay. So I started out, um, when I first started making cakes and fell into this accidental business, I thought my dream would be to open up a bakery someday and that I had found my calling and this is what I wanted to do. But I started out with just making cakes at home, just like a lot of people do. And uh, when I was doing it in Oregon, they don't have cottage laws. They do now. But when I started out, they didn't. So you had to actually have your kitchen inspected. You had to have these certain... You had to have like a separate fridge for all of your cake stuff. All of your cake decorating supplies had to be stored separately. Um, Your kitchen had to be blocked off from the main living space uh, so that if you're working on a customer's cakes, the air was magically not mixing. I don't know. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. kind of silly. It's not like it was airtight, but uh, yeah, that was just one of the requirements. And um So I was doing that and I did that for a long time. So from 2008 is when I really got started professionally. And then in 2014, I got pregnant with my daughter, Avalon, and I was putting up content on YouTube. Like I just didn't do it on purpose, just kind of like every time I came up with a interesting technique or I thought something was fun. I would just video it and just put it online and I did not consider myself to be any sort of YouTuber. Um, I don't know why I did it. I just, I just think I thought it was fun to share information with people and then people would leave comments and they would ask me questions. And I quickly found out that I actually really enjoy problem solving with people. They'd say, Oh, you know, my fondant is really soft when I try to make toppers. What are you doing to yours that makes it so that yours are not falling down? And I'm like, oh, I'm using this thing called Tylos powder and it makes the fondant dry faster. And I'll do the body first and let it dry overnight. Then I'll do the head so that the body doesn't slump down the stick, you know? And they're like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for helping me. And you're like, yeah, cool. That, that feels good, right? And so I just kept doing that and the videos kept getting longer and longer and longer, you know, they went from like little tips to like full on multi-part. I think I did a, a car cake. It was actually a cake topper technically, but it was this rice cereal treat car that a car company had asked me to recreate. That was like this classic car. And it, and I made, made it into a tutorial, documented it, but it was like a 20 minute long video. And I was like, Oh my God, this is way too long. So then I made a part two and then a part three and somebody watched it and they were like, uh, do you have this all for like sale somewhere? It's just like one video. And I was like, sale, who would buy a video tutorial, you know, uh, when you could just watch it for free on YouTube. And they were like, no, I mean, you're really talented and we like the way that you teach. I would definitely, uh, buy a tutorial from you if you started doing that. And I, I talked to my husband about it and I was like, (laughs) 
I was like, can you believe this guy wants to buy a tutorial for me? That's so weird. You know, you can just watch it for free on YouTube. And he said, oh, you know, actually I heard about this uh, new website called Patreon where you can put content and people will pay you like a little bit of money to support you as an artist. And in return, you make content for them. That's just kind of exclusive for them. And I, again, I was like, okay, that sounds like nobody would do that. But sure, I'll sign up for it. And I did, and I signed up for it, and not only did people sign up for it and want to pay, it, like, quickly took off. It just, I, I didn't realize that when I was posting all this information to YouTube, and now Facebook, for free, I what I was doing was I was building a following. I was creating a relationship with people showing them that I'm willing to give them valuable content and I and I'm not expecting anything in return. So that's how you build that you call it a following, but it's a relationship. You're not I you don't treat them like they're their customers. You you're just like, "Hey, I like this thing." And they're like, "I like it too." And then like, "Let's talk to each other about it. It's fun." And so then when I got to this point after years of doing this, and I opened up my Patreon account and kind of was like, hey, guys, um, like in my Facebook group or wherever, I have a Patreon account. I'm going to start making videos and putting them there. And if you want to learn from me, you can sign up for like $5 and get pri you're privy to that content. And if you want to sign up for $10, then you get exclusive access and you get to keep them forever. And if you sign up for $15, I'll mail you something in the mail every month, like because I know other creators who did stuff like that. They'd send out stickers or whatever. And so many people signed up that I was like, what is happening? Is this real? And what's going, you know, like, what was, I, I just couldn't believe it. And the number just kept going up and up and up and up. And until I was, like, looking at my husband and just saying, you know, I am making way more money just making videos and putting them on Patreon than I ever have making cakes for customers. And I am about to have a baby. So I think we need to think about what we want to do for the future here because it's honestly much easier to be making content than it is to be standing for 14 hours, sometimes 20 hour days, making sure you get those cakes out the door than it is to be making a video where I can stop and start and like, okay, I'm going to film this part, stop, do what I need to do, come back, continue. And because I'd gone to graphic design school, I already knew how to make my own graphics. I already knew how to make my own like PDFs with material lists and stuff like that. I already knew how to edit videos because I've been doing that for YouTube for years. So it didn't seem like a stretch for me technologically, you know, like I didn't have to learn a bunch of stuff. So I, oh my gosh, when I tell you this was a gut-wrenching decision to stop Artisan Cake Company, I cried, I, I, I kept on going back and forth between really thinking if I should stop, because, I mean, I, I became well-known in my area as this person, the, the person you went to for creative cakes, the person you went to for sculpted cakes, I was always being featured on the news and magazines. I had all of these great relationships with other wedding vendors. And I felt like I had built this incredible business. And now I was going to like, what, just stop? You know, <laughs> I, I was so scared. It was so scared. So for a while, I did try to do both. I, I tried to still continue to kind of take orders. 
and also have a baby and also make video content because I was just so nervous that it wasn't going to continue. But it just, it just did, you know, it, every, every time someone signed up, it was just like another sign that I was like, you're meant to be a, an instructor. You know, mm-hmm. this is really what your calling is. And so I did, I just stopped, I stopped Artisan Cake Company and I, I had named my new channel, the Sugar Geek Show, because I had a Facebook group called Sugar Geeks. And that was not a name that I came up with. Somebody said that that I was a sugar geek because I loved talking about the science of the way things work, not just how to make, not just how to make fondant, but why are we doing it this way? And, you know, uh, I was very geeky about it. And then I took that as a badge of honor. I was like, oh yeah, heck yeah, I'm a sugar geek. And so then I made a group that was all sugar geeks and where we just talk about the geeky side of cake decorating, right? So when I went to go make this channel or this content for Patreon, I imagined myself as it being like a TV show, right? That you would tune in to watch episode one of the Sugar Geek Show is going to be all about this. And that was what I had in my mind for the future of it. What I didn't realize was that our followers on Patreon were going to grow so exponentially that it was too difficult to manage on Patreon. This platform was really meant for artists who were just kind of creating digital work. And it was more of almost like a Facebook feed. It was like they put stuff out, you'd see it, you'd interact with it. And that was the end of it. You didn't, you weren't necessarily going back to like reference them. It was just kind of like, oh, cool. My artist that I love is making new content and I got to see it. So people would be asking me, I can't find this tutorial you posted, or I can't find this video, and there was no way to organize it in Patreon at the time. So my husband, God bless him, once again said, I will make you a website that is the Sugar Geek Show, and we're going to take all of the videos that you've ever made on YouTube, on Facebook, in Patreon, and we're going to make a library and people can become members of the Sugar Geek Show, and they can sign up, and they can watch whatever they want. And he described it to me as it being like Netflix, which at the time was not as common as it is now, right? Like everybody has a Netflix account. But uh, at the time, most people bought tutorials one by one. If you wanted a tutorial, you bought it, and that you didn't have access to anything else. And that was kind of like the only other website that was doing cake decorating tutorials at the time was uh, Craftsy. And that's how their platform worked was individual tutorials. So we were like, no, I hate buying tutorials like that. So I'm going to treat, I'm going to treat our platform the way I would want it to be if I was a member, which is pay one fee, watch whatever you want, whenever you want. Cause you just never know what you need. Right. Yeah. And, uh, it's expensive when you're starting out, like you don't have a lot of money to suddenly, I mean, you're just trying to buy ingredients. You're trying to like make ends meet and not underprice yourself and so asking someone to pay another $20 for one technique that you're not even sure is going to work or not kind of just seemed like a stretch from my perspective so we launched that I was like oh my gosh nobody's going to sign up for this we're going to lose everybody but I'm sure you can guess that was not the case I would say probably 99% of people made the switch from Patreon to Sugar Geek Show and we even still have people we have them marked specially in our members list who have been members since Patreon. Like they wear like a badge of honor. They are so loyal and they have stuck with me through multiple businesses, multiple moves. 
And uh, it just makes me feel so good that whatever I feel, you know, everybody gets that imposter syndrome. We're just like, why does anybody even listen to me? I, my creativity is so off today. Is this tutorial even good? And you just look back and you see like, no, they're still here. They're still supporting. They're still making this all possible. So like own it, like be excited about it. So every day, even when it's a bad day or a long day, I try to think, okay, your people follow you for a reason. Just do what you enjoy doing, make something cool and they're gonna love it. And stop thinking that it has to be like this insane thing that, you know, floating and flying and you know <laughs> moving or whatever. It's like, we can just do what we used to do, which was like, hey guys, this is a fun technique that I figured out today and maybe you would like to know how to do it too. And here you go. And uh, that's kind of how I transitioned from making cakes for people to having my own school. Again, purposeful, nah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, definitely over time, I think you get more comfortable with the idea of just saying yes to things. And obviously having a husband who supports me and, and not only supports me, but it's like, hey, did you hear about this technology? That might help you. You know, that's invaluable. Every step of my business was because he made something from a technology standpoint for me. He made my website. He made he made me uh, sign up for Patreon. He made our whole membership site. So a lot of all this stuff is possible because of him. So if you don't have someone in your life who's like that, it can seem very daunting because that means that you got to do it. You you know you're running a podcast. That means you had to teach yourself probably how to, to do that, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, there was probably not somebody around is like, let me walk you through all these complicated technological steps <laughs> of having a podcast. Um, but there you there's friends, you know, that's why people have business partners. That's why people, you know, do things that are like maybe with their siblings, because it's very difficult to do all the things. And I think it's also nice to have someone who has kind of almost the opposite personality of you to balance it out. Like I am the creative, let's do everything and say yes to everything. And I feel like, you know, being super creative today and forget about responsibilities. And my husband is like, now remember, you have 14 meetings and you have this deadline <laughs> and this thing that has to be accomplished by tomorrow. And maybe it's not a good idea. And you're like, oh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. It's good to have someone to balance you out and make sure that you're doing what you enjoy, but also it's good for your business as well. Because honestly, ever since I've brought more and more people into this business who help keep me on track, the more productive we are, the more time I get to spend doing things like just making cakes and the less time I have to spend answering comments or, you know, sending out the newsletter or making sure that the comment, uh, the not the comments, the membership site is working properly. Like I don't have to do any of that stuff. So thank goodness. Cause I, yeah, I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know it takes like definitely a special skill set, especially like when you have a business or I know in the podcast, like I'll see like somebody else doing like something on social media and I'm like, Oh, I better do that too. And then like all of a sudden yeah. you realize that like you have so many things that you need to kind of like do and you have like, yeah, it's just like, it becomes a lot. So yeah, I think that's really important to kind of have somebody to help you out. Yeah, like my dad's kind of like how you described your husband to be like, he works in technology. So he kind of mm -hmm. helped me set up a website. He was kind of like, okay, like, here's a website, Mackenzie. And I was just yeah. like, you know, here's how you like, add a couple things on. And I was like, well, I would love it to be like, fancy, and we can do this and that. And he was just yeah. like, 
let's keep it simple. Like, I oh think... Oh, my God. Yeah, that's, that's like, the biggest thing that my parents say to me, I think, is just, like, keep... That's like, so nice. <laughs> that's so cool. Best parents ever. <laughs> yes, I know. Well, not when I'm, like, you know, 13. I remember I wanted to make this, like, Christmas cake. Like, this was, like, this story is so embarrassing. But so, <laughs> I wanted to make, like... <laughs> I was, my, my grandma asked me to bring a cake to Christmas, and of course, like, I don't want to make, it's like a three-layer, like, you know, cake with just buttercream on it. I have to make it, like, the best cake that these people have ever seen, and so, <laughs> and so I, like, decided that, um, since I had gotten, like, a sphere mold, and I had made, like, a couple cakes, like, a soccer ball and, like, a baseball, and so I was like, okay, well, I'll just make, like, a giant Christmas ornament, and so... I, like, make this Christmas ornament, and I cover it in chocolate ganache, and I, like, you know, add some, like, different buttercream details, and I, like, add, like, a, you know, a little fondant, like, I don't know what you call, like, the, like, hook that you, like, hang the ornament on the yeah. tree with. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so, like, I wanted it to be as round as possible, so I, like, didn't cut the bottom off of the, like, cake enough, so it was, like, <laughs> still basically, like, a full sphere and so we like <laughs> loaded into the car to go to my grandmother's house and so like my dad makes this like sharp turn onto the parkway and the whole thing just like rolls over on itself and it's just like <laughs> and you're like oh why didn't I see that coming this is yes. a full-on sphere <laughs> Oh my gosh, and we had it in one of those, like, disposable, like, foil pans, so it's just, like, rolling over and, like, hitting the side <laughs> of the pan and going back and forth. <laughs> oh my goodness. I've been there, girl. I have mm-hmm. been there. Tell, uh, do, do not feel bad. I've been there many times, uh, or you're just kind of looking back at the cake going, yeah, I am not sure what to do right now because we're driving, yeah. so I guess I'm just going to watch this nightmare happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um <laughs> And we'll figure out what, what to do about it when we get there. Yeah. I had a I had something like that happen one time with a wedding cake. It was that style, that weird funky style with polka dots and stripes. So pretty early on in my career, it was a square three-tier wedding cake, yellow buttercream and purple polka dots. And it was, in hindsight, what a weird combination for a wedding cake. Like, that is like a weird to me. <laughs> but yeah. at the time, I was like, sure, whatever, right? First of all, squares, the devil, so hard to make. And, and I wasn't really good at buttercream. I'm still not, to be honest. Like, it's difficult to make those sharp edges and stuff. So I'm, I'm like, making these square cakes. And then I'm like, okay, it's buttercream. It's not covered in fondant. So I'm going to have to stack it now. And I can't stack it when I get there because how do you fix the buttercream? I, st- I don't know. So I'm going to stack it all. And then I'm going to put all of the pieces, the, like, polka dots on the outside in fondant. Because how you do that in buttercream, right? And we're driving, and this this is, like, before you could, like, scope out a venue. You know, it, they just had to give me an address. So we put that into, like, our Garmin, which no smartphones, right? So we're, we're following a freaking map, and we're just, like, heading down the highway, and then we're doing, like, a side road, and now we're driving through the woods, and it's like, where are we going? And we were just, like, straight up, like, way out in the woods. And we're going down this super bumpy road. And it's just extremely hot that day. So even though I have air conditioning, it's not really good, I guess. It just wasn't that good of air conditioning. And the the vibrations of going down the bumpy road combined with it being hot, I'm just looking behind me. And the circles of fondant are just sliding down the cake. And they're making a little pile. And you're just oh, no. like, what can I do? What I'm not going to, like, 
I can't touch them. You know, we're, we're like driving and like, we're not in a kitchen. So all I could do was just watch them, watch it happen. And then I'm not, this is not even the worst part. We get there. It's like literally a campground and they direct us to, I'm like, is there a kitchen? You know, cause I'm thinking wherever we get to, there's going to be a kitchen. Like, is there a kitchen? It's a wedding. There has to be a place where they're prepping food and stuff. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, the building's over there. And it's just like a little shack. We go in there. It's literally a galley kitchen, you know, it's just a very small little countertop. The windows have no glass. Like it's literally a shack. Right. And it's hot outside. And there's, I, I look and I see a refrigerator. I'm like, oh, thank you, God, there's a refrigerator. Throw the cake into the fridge, take all of the, the um, there's running water, you know, like washing my hands, like start making a space to work. I peel all the little fondant circles off and I go to like, go get the cake out of the fridge and the buttercream is still very warm. And I'm just like, what? The fridge doesn't freaking work. The fridge is not on. Oh, no. It's just there for decoration? I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh. So if it's not clear, the buttercream is melted. Like, it looks streaky and bad. So I'm like, I tell my husband, Dan, I said, you have to get in the car and drive and go get stuff to make more buttercream. And he was like, where? Because, you know, again, we don't have smartphones. I'm like, go to the highway, pick a direction, and drive. Like, how crazy doesn't that just make you stressed out just hearing that yes <laughs> can you imagine nowadays doing that he oh was like gosh. okay and i don't know how long shortly after he comes back he has a bowl he has powdered sugar he has butter and uh he bought a mixer you know like a hand mixer and we made new buttercream and i fry this is a square cake it was so hard to like make it even look remotely nice again and then taking these little pieces of fondant that melted off the original one and putting them back on i thought it was just hideous right and and meanwhile the cake is already supposed to have been delivered it's supposed to already be up but they're just they're like now having the ceremony it's about it's now the reception so we take the cake out literally like five steps from the shack to the reception, put it on a table, they turn around and immediately cut into it, like for the cake cutting ceremony part. So it's like they didn't even have time, thank goodness, to look at it and inspect all of the mistakes that were probably on this cake now at that point. But that will forever live in my mind as one of my most traumatic cake experiences and is why making cakes for clients is so stressful and it's it's not as bad now because we have more technology to help us but you just never know what's going to happen during the delivery or at the venue or when you get there just random stuff goes wrong and you're just like I can't panic I have to stay calm and then you go home and you cry and you're like this is so hard why do I do yeah. <laughs> and then you say yes like a week later like it never happened <laughs> Oh my gosh, that that's probably the craziest like cake story I have ever heard. Like that that is insane. <laughs> I also, I'm sorry if I traumatized anybody. But that, that's not even like no. the worst thing that ever happened, but it was definitely <laughs> one of the weirdest like mm-hmm. situations we ever had to get out of. Yeah. I know. That's like that's really crazy, but at least it had like a good ending. I feel like yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? I feel so bad a lot of um beginner cake decorators I hear their horror stories about clients who are so mean I honestly don't have that many I think I have maybe one out of all of the I mean I, I no, I, I had some bad feedback probably where they're just like oh we didn't like this part we didn't like that part but it was nothing like serious like a total nightmare 
Um, most of the time, for whatever reason, I, I just never really had that many bad experiences. One time I literally messed up this person's whole wedding cake and they were like so understanding, like, no, you fixed it. It's fine. And I was like, I'll refund everything. Don't worry. And they're like, no, 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 you, you delivered a beautiful cake. Be proud of yourself. And it was just like, I can't even imagine that happening nowadays. I don't even hear about people being yeah. nice like that. But, uh, so yeah, I, I do have stories of stressful situations, but thankfully most clients seem to be pretty understanding, at least when I was doing it, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like a big part of it. I've only made cakes for like people that I'm related to or like, you know, friends with. Yeah. So, but yeah, I can only imagine, like, I've heard some of those too, like people like, you know, were like not sending the deposit or like tell asking for a cake and then like not paying for it and just all sorts of stuff. Like, yeah, it's absolutely crazy. And you know what, that was one of the things that was great about having my graphic design experience is when I was in school, we had a whole like semester that was all about the business side of owning a graphic design company like most graphic designers are uh, they call them freelancers at the time so you would do projects but you don't work for the company you were just hired to do a specific job so to do that job you have to have a contract and in the contract you have to line uh, have an outline of what the project entails and when it's going to be done and how much they're going to pay and I literally took that contract from my graphic design class and made it into my cake contract so I never had those like conversations of like hey here's the cake are you gonna pay me or not because it was already ingrained in me that that was not a smart or b professional like professionals Mm -hmm. didn't do business that way and has been probably the number one struggle I've had to teach new cake decorators um how to be professional because that is a very vague term and I think that is sometimes misunderstood as looking professional or um, having like nice pictures or a fancy website or a logo and it's like uh, you know have you seen the pictures of my old cakes like they are not professional like in that way it's about um you give your client the feeling that you have everything under control, that you know what you're doing and you're leading the conversation. So there's never, I don't, when somebody comes to me or not anymore, but when they used to come to me and they'd say, I want a cake, how much? Like such a vague email, right? And I would have a template that I would immediately send out that'd say, hey, thanks so much for contacting Artisan Cake Company. If you're interested in ordering a cake, I need to know these things. What kind of cake do you want? Where are you getting, where's the location of the event? What is the date? What is your budget? And if they didn't answer those things, the conversation did not exist. Or if they tried to skip it, I would just resend it. Thank you so much for contacting us, you know? (laughs) Because I'm not about to let them run me over, and because it was already kind of pre-written, it has this sound of being uber professional, right? And then they'd say, oh, hey, you know, I, uh, I had this, this grand idea for a cake. I want it to be 14 tiers high and, you know, have this many figures and whatever. And we have no budget. And you're like, cool, that's going to cost this much, much money. I'm going to need 50% down. For you to even reserve your date for me to even say yes i'm going to make this cake at some point in the future and then the final amount needs to be paid by this date or you completely forfeit that first payment 
and you don't get a cake. <laughs> and sometimes they wouldn't believe me and they would like, you know, they would like be ghosting me on the final payment. And I would send an email that's like, hey, your cake order has been canceled due to non-payment. You know, thanks so much for thinking of this. Like, all of this is just very, like, automated or whatever. And magically, they would respond right away. Oh, no, I was about to send you the payment. <laughs> and they're like, oh, cool. Yeah, awesome. I take Venmo. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> as soon as that hits my bank account, I will turn my oven on, but not before. And that it, I, I understand that that can be an uncomfortable conversation. But you'd be surprised at how easy it is if you just pre-write it, like pre-write all of the responses, have them ready to go, lead the conversation. And if they have any questions, like, I don't know, sometimes they're just like, well, what happens if you can't make the cake? I don't even answer, you know, I don't entertain those questions. Like, well, if I can't make the cake, then this person will make the cake. It's like, ma'am, I'm a professional. Mm -hmm. I, you're paying me to make you a cake. The cake is going to be there. You know, in our contract, it says that the only reason that I would not be making the cake is if I was hospitalized, you know, in that case, I would arrange somebody to make your cake, but that's like never happened, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, if that happens, then we'll figure it out. But for sure, we don't have to discuss what's going to happen in this super rare situation because you think I'm not a professional, you know? Mm-hmm. But if you act like you're not a professional, then people, I think people pick up on that. If you're like, hey, text me anytime with a question, I don't think that's professional. You, you're giving strangers your phone call. My plumber doesn't have my phone number. I don't want him texting me at all hours of the day, asking me questions about stuff, you know, and I'm sure he doesn't want me texting him. That's just, we, we go by business hours and by email so that if I'm trying to look back on our conversation that we had a year ago, what did we talk about? What were the details of that conversation? What did we agree to? What's the contract say? Because sometimes you can't remember those things. But if you're just trying to, go by a conversation that you had on Facebook or text, I think it gets really confusing and misunderstandings happen very quickly. Whereas if they're filling out a form and it's like, this is the date, this is the time, this is the sketch that I sent you of what it's supposed to look like. And all of the questions are answered and now we don't have to talk about it anymore. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it's really difficult. I, I don't, I don't know about you um, because you're younger and you're only making cakes for friends but most people don't have contracts and they don't uh take that step and it causes a lot of problems but i'm gonna continue telling you guys please 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 have a contract i have a free template on sugar geek show so you know like it's there for you if you need one (laughs) yeah yeah i think that's like really important because i think that like a lot of people just think that like okay like i'm gonna start a cake business like i show up i make cakes and then like you know people buy them but there's like a whole like business side to it where like you have to register yourself or how you were talking about like having certain like cottage laws and having a contract and like really making yourself like a business business yes and you'll uh i think all of those little things lead to making cakes that you can charge more money for the more Mm -hmm. professional you are and the more legit you seem and the better reputation you have um just the more money that you can charge and the more money you can charge the less cakes you have to make to be making, you know, you can either make two cakes for two separate people, deliver them at two separate times, deal with two separate clients and make a hundred dollars. Or you can make one cake that costs a hundred dollars for one client. Um, because you have that level of professionalism, not only on your website, but through your contract. 
Um, I used to do really fancy cake tastings for weddings. So I would schedule them all for like a weekend and every hour was a new couple. And we'd, we'd like totally strip our whole living room from like everything, like you're going to move. Right. So no mm-hmm. pictures on the walls, like only beautiful cakes, like on the shelves. And so it was like a waiting area for the next client. And then in the kitchen, we would do the cake tasting. They would, we'd have all of the cake slices ready. They were all beautifully decorated. We'd have like lemon water and fancy glasses, like for them to drink in between bites, to cleanse their palate, flowers on the table, you know, (laughs) this whole deal. So it was like a fun experience. And then we had the contract printed out right there because we've already talked about this through email. What's your cake design? What is your budget? okay, yes, that's all approved. Now let's move to a tasting. And so then when we got to the tasting, literally the only thing holding them back from placing the order was if they liked the taste of the cake, which I was confident that they would, right? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> um, there's a reason I bake, I make cake recipes now. But uh, so they had that contract right there, and I was like, all right, it's the hard sell. You want to put a deposit down and – reserve your date or otherwise you can take your contract with you. You can mail me a check later, but I'm just letting you know it is first come first serve. If the next person comes in and they put their deposit down, it goes to them. And that's just the truth of it. So, um, I maybe, maybe five or six times somebody did not put their deposit down. And it was always because they were the not, not the one paying for the cake. It was like their mother-in-law or somebody else. So they'd be like, you know, here's $50, please reserve my spot, but I will get you the rest of the deposit like later today or tomorrow. And you're like, all right, well, I'm holding this. And if I don't get it by this date, then I'll have to forfeit your deposit. Mm-hmm. So um, all of that stuff just incentivizes the client to place their order and also just keeps the power in your position. You don't ever want to be like, making the client feel like they have to do all the work and they have to run the agreement. It's like, no, I'm the one who's in charge. I'm the professional here. I'm telling you how it goes, not to be pushy, but so that you feel better. You don't have to worry about it, girl. Just get married. I got the cake. I got everything under control. If I need something, I will talk to you. But otherwise, don't worry about it. It's done deal. It's going to be wonderful. And and people really responded well to that. It's when I think there's things are not quite clear it's like a, a roller coaster. Oh, well, you know, you said that it was going to be a little bit bigger. And you're like, yeah, I said it was going to be medium size, but we didn't specify what that really meant. And now that I think about it, actually, I thought the, the fondant was going to be a different color. And now that I think about it, there's not really as many decorations. And actually, now that I think about it, I want a refund. And you're just like, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, yeah. how did we get to here, you know? So uh, setting up professional experiences in the beginning helps a lot. And um, even as I move now to what I do now, which is creating content online, um, I get sent contracts that are like so detailed and so in-depth that I'm like, really? Like uh, we recently did a project for Disney and their their contract was like 20 pages and, uh, and it was for a TikTok, you know, it's like not, not, I was like, oh my gosh. But they needed such specific things, and it's a big company that you would not say, oh, I can just do whatever. It's just Disney. You're like, oh, uh, I better make sure I read this contract and be really careful about what I'm – if they say they need something by a certain date, I get it to that, by that date, you know? 
And if they say I need to fill out a certain form, I fill it out and I send it right back over because I wanted us to have a good relationship so I can do more projects for them. So um, I think learning to have professional conversations with people helps you start moving into other conversations where you're, you may like, I'm not leading the conversation anymore, but I still have to present myself as someone who has a lot of followers and I'm, and I have a lot of reach. So it's worth it for you to invest in me. And yes, I can deliver this project in a timely manner. And that means pick me over somebody else. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of influencers out there who are making online content now. So what makes me different than somebody else? Well, I have experience and this is these are other companies that I've worked with. And, and this is the content that we've made together and we can make something really together. And to be perfectly honest, I have made free content for companies who could have paid for it. But I did it for free because I wanted to prove to them that I could do it. And I didn't have a lot of experience doing that thing, you know, like, like, um, I'm trying to think of an example, but, uh, somebody might say, Hey, you know, we, we want you to do a video that uses our tool and we don't have a budget to pay you. And you're like, okay, but I actually already use this tool. So I'll go ahead and make the video. And then they get like a hundred sales from that video. And I'm like, cool how much money did you make off of that video I, I posted? Now maybe we can do a sponsored post where you pay me. And, and, it, and I had to do it that way because I didn't have any experience or any previous relationships where I could prove that I was going to deliver. Mm -hmm. And I think that it is important to value yourself and to price, make sure you're getting paid for what you do. But it's also okay to just do something for free if you want to. And take a chance and say, you know, I really like this product. I really believe in it. I don't feel like I'm like, you know, going to risk anything to just give it a try. And it might lead to something better or at the very least give yourself experience. So I don't tell, I don't give that advice to many people because it's kind of controversial. I think uh, to say that it's okay to do things for free is like deeply frowned upon because people so many times undervalue their work, but you're all, I bet you, you're not charging your cousin money for the cake that you're making them. It's like, no, this is for fun. Yeah. It's my hobby. You know, like I just do it for the fun of it. And that is okay too. And it is okay to, uh, work with clients the same exact way. If you're trying to move into influencer partnerships, but only do it if you really believe in the product. Only do it if you really want to. Don't let someone force you into doing something that you don't want to do and you're not getting paid for it. Like, that's yeah. just not, you know, like, that's just a no. No yeah. thanks. You got to get something out of it. So, you know. <laughs> exactly. You got to get something out of it. And um, sometimes that something is a lot more than you think. And other times it's just experience. But it's got to be something, like mm -hmm. you said. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think that was kind of like a good part for that section. Uh, we have a fan question from, um, I, I'm always so excited when we get fan questions. So this Yay! is like, this is a, this is a big moment, but so, um, you know, like you've mentioned before that like, you know, you were on Halloween Wars and so mm -hmm. Halloween Wars does happen to be like my third favorite Food Network yeah. show. Like I it's love the best. <laughs> yes, it's so cool. So um, we have a fan question from at, I think their username is talkin underscore shiz on Twitter. And so they want to know, <laughs> they want to know when deciding what to build, how hard is it for like the team to come up with an idea that everyone will agree on? 
Ooh, okay. So, Halloween Wars, first of all, was my favorite show on Food Network as well and was one of my life goals as a cake decorator to be on that show. And I had applied many times before I actually got on there um, because I was a little bit awkward on camera. (laughs) But (laughs) when I finally did get on, there was quite a few surprises, one of them being you didn't get to pick your teammates. The people that you work with, they picked for you. So I had never met my pastry chef who was doing the sugar work. I'd never met the pumpkin carver, Mike. Uh, We had Zoom called a couple times, but remember this is pre-pandemic. So Zoom was like not common and it was very weird to like talk with someone via video chat that I'd never met before. Um, Because the only person I'd ever Zoomed up to to that point was my sister and my grandma. So, you know, or my mother-in-law. So uh, I was like, hey, uh, let's talk about being on the show together. And I I don't know. It just didn't, it seemed, I was like, great, this is going to be terrible. But when we got there, um, we accident, they accidentally put me with two people who have the exact same mindset that I do when it comes to tackling a project, which is a, like, let's figure out a plan. And the plan success is based off of how well we think this is going to do like if the judges are going to like it what is it we think that they're looking for and there was no ego really involved um probably because I was technically the one in charge and I like to be in charge so they kind of put me in that position which worked well for me so I didn't have to fight anybody for being like no I'm in charge oh I'm in charge right they no they, they because it was about cakes and I was the cake decorator. So they really deferred to me for what was going to even be possible as far as structure goes and time. I think one of the challenges, I don't remember what the exact challenge was word for word, but it was uh, you go into a room and you discover that there is some sort of egg that has hatched and what comes out of it is horrifying. So it was like you had to invent some sort of monster that was coming out of an egg and uh my idea immediately what i thought of was um these alien pods from the movie alien that had these gross like face hugger spiders that come out of them um but we didn't want to do we didn't want to like do that exactly so we decided we were going to make a creepy spider that came out of this egg and so that's the idea right now how this becomes a team idea is I say, okay, this is my idea. And Kristoff says, oh, I can make a sugar spider. I can pull sugar legs. I can blow a sugar body. It'll look like a black widow. I, and I'm like, can you make it really big? And he's like, yeah, it's going to take time. It'll be a stretch because we only have 45 minutes. But I'm, I think I can do it. And you're like, okay. And then Mike says, oh, I can make the egg using one of those bumpy pumpkins that already looks like it's all warty and stuff. The challenges are extra hard and a little bit more difficult to carve. But if we don't have to carve it that much, maybe I'll have time to carve like a foot or something that the spider is eating. So this is a collaborative experience. Yes, I came up with the idea, but everybody talks about what they think they can do related to their own talents because I I don't know what Kristoff's capable of I don't know what Mike Mm -hmm. is capable of all I know is I I can think of an idea that I think the judges will like and then we all sort of um you know come together on that so that was how it was the whole time is we would come up with an idea and then everybody would say oh I could do this or I could do that and um 
the further we got along into the show, the better we got at also knowing what the other person could do. So, you know, Mike would say, I could, I could carve two heads. And I'm like, could you carve three? (laughs) You know, (laughs) what if one was chopped in half? Like you didn't have to work as hard on it or, um, so that was by far one of the funnest shows I'd ever been on and also very, very difficult, but, um, I, it'd be hard pressed to say no if they ever came knocking again because it yeah. was definitely it. I mean, it was just so cool. And then when you see it, it's like, oh my gosh, talk about like fan bases going crazy. People lose their minds over the stuff we made on Halloween Wars, and people still talk about it every year when it comes up on Food Network again. People talk about it. So, <laughs> season seven, go team Gould. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So. That was kind of, like, the other thing that I was going to ask. So I thought that was so interesting because, like, from the way they, like, edit it on TV, it makes it seem like you guys just, like, have known each other forever and you're all, like, friends. And <laughs> Oh, my gosh, yeah. Um, I think some teams did know each other. Um, I think the other team, Mike, uh, shoot, what was his look? Elder, Mike Elder, Charity, and I forget the uh, Pumpkin Carver's guy. I, I think Mike and Charity knew each other. And maybe they, maybe the pumpkin guy they didn't know. So sometimes you do. Mm-hmm. You do just happen to know each other. But let me tell you, when you go through a traumatic experience with two other people, like a competition show, you become friends or enemies very quickly. <laughs> like, <laughs> you either get along really well. And, I mean, there was tears. Like, I cried in front of these guys. And they're still, to this day, like my brothers. I talk to Christoph and Mike all the time. Just usually questions about either pumpkins or pastry. Mm-hmm. I was just talking to Christoph the other day. I had a question about lava cakes. It was a recipe that we were trying to put out on Sugar Show's YouTube channel. And I was researching it. And, you know, he works at a five-star resort at the Park Hyatt in San Diego. Like, he's the lead pastry chef. Like, he's legit. Oh, wow. And I'm just text. I'm texting him like, "Hey, Kristoff, how are you today? Um, I'm making lava cake, and I don't know which recipe is going to be the best because some say you whip the egg whites, you fold in the chocolate, and then you bake it, and others say you make the chocolate cake and then you take ganache and you pipe it. Like, which way is going to be the best or the most legit?" And he's like, "Oh, hold on, I'll just handwrite you a recipe that we use." in the restaurant you know <laughs> and you're like okay that works <laughs> so and he, he texts me a picture of like a a post-it note that's like you know uh took a little work for me to understand because i'm not a pastry chef but um he is just a really he's a really nice guy he's like my brother now because we went through this experience where mm-hmm. We were just like, oh, my gosh, how are we going to do this? This is so hard. This is so stressful. And one person seemed to always be more stressed out than the other people. And we would take turns being that person. So sometimes it was me and I was crying. And they'd be like, Liz, you're amazing. You got this. Like, don't worry. We're here to help you. And you're like, okay, okay. And then sometimes it's Kristoff, not crying, but swearing. Like, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. This is too hard. We're like, it's okay, Kristoff. We got you. We're here to support so just think of that over and over again, week after week, you know, and then by the end, you're just like, oh, my gosh, I would die for these people. They've they've seen me go through this stressful situation, and not only have they supported me, but they have, you know, like emotionally been there for me and, and also done this really, like, we've done amazing work together. But we would see other teams that would, like, fight. And 
they, I swear, every time you see somebody fighting, it's like, oh, they're the next to get eliminated. Because if you're fighting, you're not communicating. And if you're not communicating, you just don't make a very good piece because mm -hmm. it really takes a lot of communication and for everybody to be on the same page. And you have to like the person to be like helping. You're just like, Shh, it's not going to help that guy. He's a jerk. He can struggle with his pumpkin carving, you know, as he's drowning. <laughs> There were several times I was like totally drowning in cake work and Mike would come over and start making little toppers for me or, oh, you need help rolling out fondant? Like, he didn't know, he didn't know how to roll out fondant, but he would do that for me because we were friends. And then you're like, yeah, thank you, you know? And you're like, hey, run over there and go grab me a big pumpkin. I'm like, sure, you know, I'll do that because we're there for each other and supporting each other. So if you ever get, this is for all your viewers or your listeners, I should say. If you ever get invited to a competition show or you want to get onto a competition, make sure you find out if you're going to be choosing your teammates or if they're going to choose them for you. Because if you're not comfortable, just it, like if you've never competed before, I think it's a huge risk to compete for the first time with people that you've never met before because then you are not only competing for the first time and learning what it's like to even be on TV, but you're also not even working with people that you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I just got incredibly lucky. I had been on a competition before, Duff Till Dawn, but mm -hmm. it was not quite the same. And, and when I was on Duff Till Dawn, I was with somebody I knew. So I did technically take my own advice, I guess. <laughs> but the second time around was a much more stressful situation, and thank goodness I had good teammates because it could have gone very wrong, and I have known people who've told me that it has gone very wrong. <laughs> yeah, I know sometimes you'll see, like, the teams fighting. Like, I think they made kind of like a Christmas holiday iteration of the show that we were watching this year, and there was this one team. I forget what they were called, but, like, there were these two people on the team, and they would just, like, fight back and forth and it was like it was it was good because you know it was tv but like it was a little bit yeah. hard yeah you, know, you were like you just feel so bad for like the other like people on their team who are just kind of sitting there like trying to mediate it and like it just becomes really complicated yeah. <laughs> i know and, and i always get secondhand embarrassment when i watch it i'm just yeah. like oh this is so awkward i can't stop watching but i don't want to see it because yeah. i just know how it must feel horrible um, but it does make good TV, so, yeah. <laughs> <you know. laughs> the producers are like, keep fighting, come on, like, <laughs> I'm sure they're not like that, but. <laughs> oh my god, yes, they are, they're totally, they're not, like, keep fighting, <laughs> but, uh, towards the end of Halloween Wars, Kristoff and I had a fight, and it was not a fake fight, it was uh, a real fight, and it's just, you know, you're just tired and stressed yeah. out towards the end, and we were, so tired that we were just not communicating well and um it's just like uh what it, it was the very last episode the the first challenge where we were making like a gosh what is it called a puppet um marionette marionette type thing mm -hmm. and uh, he made a sugar knife and he was supposed to attach the knife to the structure which was like a metal rod um, and he, uh, I torched the structure and he went to put the knife on, but he had the knife coming like straight out of the arm. Like it was like a growth of his arm. And I was like, no, it's not, it's not supposed to go that way. It's supposed to go the other way. Like he's holding it. And he put it in some other weird angle that I was like, what? No, like <laughs> he's supposed to be holding this knife, you know? And I couldn't understand why we were not, he couldn't 
usually he would just know what I was say what I was meaning, mm-hmm. but for some reason he just didn't he didn't understand what I was trying to say. So I was getting really snappy at him, and then when so we finish the challenge, we get judged, whatever, and then as soon as the time stops, he just stormed off because he was so mad because I was just talking to him really you know in a snappy way. I was not talking to him very nice. And then I was like, oh, no, (laughs) like I made Kristoff mad. And so then I immediately started crying because I felt so bad that I had offended him. And the cameras were like four inches from my face. What's going on? Why are you crying? What's happening? And I'm just like, "Ah!" I'm so sorry. And he's just like, you're so rude. Why are you talking to me like I'm like a child, you know? And I'm just like, I don't know. You know, I was just so apologetic. And Mm then... um, I started saying, now just remember, we're on TV. We're on TV. We got to keep it together. We got to be, we got to stay teammates. We can't, you know, start fighting. And I swear he was like, yeah, you're right. Like, this is bull, you know, and just like drink a, drink a glass of water, put it down. was like, let's get back out there. And it was over. And I swear that the, the, the um, faces of the producers were so sad. They were just like, oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> Like they really, I think they really wanted it to be a bigger blowout, but, uh, you know, we were just like it for a second it was, but thankfully we were able to bring it back and be like, listen, Mm -hmm. we know we're stressed out. Can you just forgive me? I'm so sorry. Let's bring it back together. And we still have a whole other five hour challenge to get through. Like we can't fall apart now. Yeah. And, um, and thankfully we did not, (laughs) So. But I can see how it would cause a lot of people to fight because it is so stressful. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's kind of like one thing when you're, like, you know, watching the show and you're just like, how come, like, so-and-so, this person, like, can't get along? And then it's another thing when you're, like, in it and you're just like, yeah, it must be so, so stressful. (laughs) Yeah, like, I know when I was, like, 12 or 13, I, like, you know, applied to be on, like, Kids Baking Championship. And this is another one of my, like, great baking stories. So they, like, call (laughs) back and... (laughs) Oh my goodness, I can't believe this is going to be on the internet, but it's okay, you know. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. Um, yeah, so remember they, like, call back my house, like, maybe, like, a day or two after we put in the application, and this is, like, my first experience in, like, you know, the real world of, like, you know, television and whatever, and so I remember they, like, called back, and we're eating dinner one night, and my dad's like, you know, it's somebody from, like, the Food Network, like, why would you, oh like, my God. and I was just like, oh my God, and I started, like, crying, and my mom's like, <laughs> they're like, they're like, oh, like, is Mackenzie there? Is she on the phone? And I'm like, I've never talked on the phone before. So then, like, my mom just starts, like, taking down all the information, but I remember um, they wanted to do, like, a Skype interview with, like, I guess somebody at the casting agency, yes. and, like, I had literally never been on the Skype call other than, like, with my grandmother, so I had, like, yeah. no idea yeah. what it was. <laughs> Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh, she must have been freaking out. I was, like, so nervous, like, and I remember, like, the lady was, like, she was so sweet, and she, like, asked me, like, you know, she was, like, okay, like, you know, hi, Mackenzie, like, you know, we're gonna take some, like, you know, things for, like, a different video, because I guess they make, like, a little video of each contestant, and they, like, yeah. show it to whoever else. Yeah, so they're, like, okay, so, like, you know, what do you think that, like, you know, could you just, like, list off some of the things that you can bake, and I got through, like, cakes, cookies, and I was so nervous, and I was, like, and cakes, and, and cookies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. But, I, know, um, I feel you. <laughs> the way that um, producers used to have us apply for shows is we would do a Skype, like, you know, like a Skype interview. But they would 
have us send in a video of us, like an audition tape and talk about uncomfortable. Like I, that's why I never got onto TV because I would be filming myself and I still have these videos and they're horrible, horrible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they're like, and they have you answer these questions. And I would just literally read off the questions. It's like, what kind of cakes have you ever made? And you're like, I've made birthday cakes, wedding cakes anniversary cakes like so boring yeah and you're just like no wonder but now now i understand why they ask those things is because they want you to show your personality but mm-hmm. i i didn't know i was just like oh yeah these are these are the list of cakes that i've made and then you watch yeah. the video and you're like this is literally the most boring dull thing i've ever seen in my life who is this girl you know <laughs> oh yeah i totally did the same thing in mine and like ours like they gave us kind of like creative prompts so like we had to send in like a bunch of things that we had baked and then we had somehow i like got past the interview with the producer after the whole like cakes thing <laughs> but so then they were like okay and so it was like every day it was kind of like something new too like you know I'd come home after school and my mom would be like get in the kitchen like what they wanted you to like send in a video of, like basically like a video tutorial of you like making like your signature bake and I was like oh, I wow. just kind of like make whatever I want like so <laughs> you're like I'm 11 I don't have a signature <laughs> exactly yeah they're like oh like what's your style and I'm just like I so yeah I like made that and then the other video they wanted you to make was like um a room there was like a couple options and so it was like you know you could do this this and I did like a room tour so (laughs) um so I remember like my mom's like filming it on her iPhone and so you know we're going through and I'm like okay like you know this is my desk this is where I do my homework and like I like think I no wonder I didn't get cast (laughs) but I remember like um, it was like so stressful and I was like, you know, filming it and I'm trying to like be like quirky and add all these like anecdotes about my personality and my mom was like giving me like camera directions and I was like, and then I was like, mom, like I'm doing it like completely fine. Like, <laughs> and so, yeah, and we're just, yeah, and so I remember, yeah, we were so stressful and my mom was like, do you want to be on the show or not? And we were just like, it was like so much stressful after just like something that was just so completely mundane. But yeah, it was, oh my God, I'm it was too up. good. Like, I'm, I literally have tears. I'm laughing. So oh my much. gosh. I remember like oh. the final scene. I was like, I have to see if I can find this video. Like I was sitting in a chair and I like have my arms crossed and I'm like, and that's why you should pick me for the kids baking chip. And I like took my face. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my oh. It makes me have flashbacks to all these, but it's so awkward. At one point, I literally, I think I literally, I was trying to apply to Halloween Wars, and I think I, like, (laughs) I was, like, hiding behind a bush, (laughs) (laughs) and I, like, creepily come out from behind the bush, like, I'm trying to be scary or something, but I literally just look so awkward and stupid, (laughs) like, and I'm just like, Sometimes I like to make scary cakes. Like, it's just the <laughs> stupidest thing. It's so silly. And then there was another one where I think I was trying to be tough. And I was making, I had been working on a, a dinosaur, like, cake, you know, that's all out of rice cereal treat. And it was, like, too big. So it was not balanced correctly. And it was just kind of this half-done cake in my back room. And I was like, oh, I know. This is going to look really badass if I just, like, act like that this cake is just not good enough and I'm working on it and I just throw it out the door <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, I have this on video it's so embarrassing my hu- and why did my husband go yeah that's great <laughs> <laughs> 
so I literally was like, this is not good enough. And I pick up this gigantic half done cake and I throw it out the front door and it like crashes onto the sidewalk. It's like, oh, no wonder I did not get picked for that. Like, it's so mm-hmm. embarrassing. Yeah. Oh my I gosh. Think- I had not. I haven't thought of that in years, though, so thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, I think mine were just so boring, like, because I was just, like, trying to be, like, the perfect, like, candidate. I remember, like, yeah, making the brownies, and I was like, and now you have to, like, fold it in. And here's a, I, I remember, here's a handy tip. I, like, use a rubber <laughs> spatula. <and> I'm just, <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Here's a. Here's a handy tip. Don't use your hands. I like to use a spatula. <laughs> oh, my oh, my God. Oh, boy. I like I to know. use a spatula to pour the brownie batter into the pan. <laughs> Here's a tip. Turn your oven on before you start baking. <laughs> oh, God. I'm so thankful that when I was 11 years old, I was not there was no form of social media around me because talk I mean I did so many embarrassing things that nobody Mm -hmm. was witness to and they just don't exist anywhere so yeah I feel sorry for the next generation like my daughter loves to be on YouTube with me she loves to like make videos with me and I like it but sometimes I'm just like "Ah, I don't know if I I mean it's one thing for me because I'm older, I've been doing this for a long time, I don't even read comments anymore, like, it's really easy to kind of just have this thicker skin, but gosh, but I, I was sensitive, like, I was a mm-hmm. sensitive child, I would cry at the drop of a hat, I can't even imagine, like, trying to make videos now, or put contents up, and people are so mean for no reason, and yeah. they just, they'll just pick on anything, like, you know, I don't know like what does your kitchen look like is it is it nice enough or you must be poor you're you don't have like a KitchenAid mixer and you're just like what if I am poor who cares yeah (laughs) and there's just the whole other like part of creating content online that requires you to have a lot of I I hate to call it thick skin because that's really like that doesn't really explain but Mm -hmm. it's uh it's just kind of like the people who have time to leave hateful comments just don't have any time to do anything else like that's their hobby is they're out here leaving comments and spreading hate because they are not doing anything with their lives and no amount of trying to be logical or like sometimes I do call them out I'll be honest because I'm just like hey I'm a real person and that is a really rude thing like are we really like making comments on people's bodies in 2021 like what's Mm -hmm. wrong with you you know um but sometimes I just ignore it or I just delete it because genuinely if you think about it the people you're trying to reach are the people you're trying to help so if somebody says, I don't like this recipe, or I don't like how you are, I don't like the way you talk, I don't like the way like, you look, or whatever, that is not, that's not anybody that you're going to be helping, or reaching, or entertaining, whatever it is, the content that you're trying to make. So it's just kind of like, my content is not for everybody. And when they say you should have a niche, that's what they mean. Like, you are not... Kim Kardashian out here trying to please everybody in all aspects of the world, right? Yeah. Like you are you and you have a baking channel or you have a makeup channel and and if you are, if you do have a baking channel, maybe it's just cakes or maybe it's just cookies. So if somebody comes in and is like, "Ugh, I hate making cookies. They're so time-consuming." You're like, "Yeah, they totally are." 
super mm-hmm. time consuming. That's just facts, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's not, you're not really even putting me down right now because that's completely true. Or they're just saying, oh, you're really slow. Oh, yeah, I actually, I'm kind of slow. I have like, you know, definitely am not the fastest person because I'm like learning. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know what you're trying to do. Yeah. But it, ta- it takes some work to kind of get to that mindset of just igno- ignoring, quote unquote, the haters because, you know, it does, it does kind of hurt. Because you're mm-hmm. trying to like make a name for yourself. You're like, I want everybody to love me, but like, nah. Some people are just are yeah. not going to love you, and that's okay. That's totally okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think you bring up like a really good point because, especially like in putting yourself out there, I think people have like a lot of fear. Of this like, oh, like what if people don't like this? Or, but like I feel like yeah, like if people don't like something, they just like shouldn't watch it. I for, personally will never understand why people like leave negative comments just about like random things too but yeah I think that's like what you bring up is just so important to just like remember to like just like put it in perspective like okay this person like probably like has not done anything great like they're nobody that like I care to impress you know it's not like yeah yeah it's not like I don't know like and if the comment is not coming from your friend or a family member or a person that you respect in the industry, then why would you even be listening to their advice? Like, yeah. it's like, who are, who are you to be telling me that this is a terrible thing? There's a, there's a trend on TikTok right now that I love. I made a little video for it, but it's like, uh, oh, you don't like the recipe? Well, then you make one. you you make the recipe Uh I'll come to your page and I'll go look at your recipe and tell you how much I don't like it you know Mm -hmm. Uh, because that's really what it is you're out here making content you're out here putting your perspective on things and somebody will always come along and be like well that's a dumb way to do it you're like cool I can't wait to see your video on it and I will be sure to leave a comment about how it's different than the way that I did it you know uh, to just kind of point out how silly that is. It's like, yeah, it is different than the way you would do it because that's not you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just, I never said that this is the only way you could do it. I'm just literally sharing information for anybody who wants it. So yeah, that's it. Yeah. And I feel like baking too, like there's so many different ways to make something for like, Oh, we're going to make chocolate chip cookies today. Like, okay. Are they going to be like chewy or crispy or like, how are you going to like bake them? Or like people like them just like different ways. I think that's just kind of like, how it the way the world yeah. works exactly exactly you know uh that's why there can be no one recipe for anything like mm-hmm. you know there's a different version of everything like my idea of the perfect vanilla cake is not somebody else's dif- uh, idea of the perfect vanilla cake because i have my taste preferences there are people mm-hmm. out there who don't like chocolate and i'm really confused by them and i don't understand but like you know I, I don't like licorice, so yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's all guys. I don't like I don't like peppermint. I think it tastes like toothpaste, you know. Uh, but my daughter, she's a peppermint fan. She would actually mm-hmm. eat. She has eaten toothpaste before, and we'd have to have a conversation. You know, toothpaste is not food, you know. <laughs> so it, it is. It's everybody. That's what makes the internet fun mm-hmm. is everybody's different perspectives on things, and it it makes everybody creative, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I know, like, my brother's, like, a pretty picky eater himself, and some of the things he doesn't like, I'm like, how do you not like that? Everybody likes that. He doesn't like strawberries. I'm like, what? No. Like, <laughs> yeah, but Dude, I, yeah. Dude, my daughter does not like strawberries. She doesn't like pizza. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with these people. And I've literally <laughs> had conversations, you know, because it's, like, a lazy day. It's been mm-hmm. a long day. Everybody's tired, and we're like, we're going to order pizza, because that's what you do. 
when you're lazy and you want just something that everybody's going to eat. And my daughter literally, do I have to eat all this? Are you really? I, it's pizza. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I'm convincing you to eat, like, eat your vegetables. No, it's pizza. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I exactly. And yeah. she, but she is more of a, like I said, she likes peppermint and she likes lemons. She likes really sour kind of flavors mm-hmm. of things. She loves chocolate, so at least we agree on that one. Yeah. So I think that, like, kind of my one, like, final questions for you, because we talked about business, we talked about cake decorating, we talked about Halloween wars. So do you have, like, a favorite right. cake that you've, like, made or were most proud of, um, if you have one? like? <laughs> yes. TikTok recently implemented a new feature where they can ask you questions in your profile and um, people can upvote the questions and one of the number one questions people always ask me is what is your favorite cake so that's the reason thinking about this it was funny that you just randomly asked me that because I'm like wow what what is my favorite cake well how do you even qualify that yeah and I honestly think my favorite cake was my very first competition cake that I um, ever entered into a, a, a competition so um for anybody that doesn't know, there are these things called cake shows that cake decorators often travel to every year. There's the That Takes the Cake Show in Austin, Texas. There's SoFlo so Cake and Candy Expo in Miami, Florida. And uh, the one in Austin I had heard was like really well known for its sculpted cakes. And it was kind of where you went if you wanted to make a name for yourself, if you were like more of into the sculpted cake thing. Mm-hmm. But I had never flown with a cake. I had never traveled with a sculpted cake. There was a lot of, like, trying to figure out the ins and outs of just that. And so the theme of the competition was time. So vague, right? There's so many interpretations that you could use for time. I do not recall how I came up with this theme exactly. But I decided that my theme for the cake was going to be the passing of time, like in age. And I've always, I've always thought to myself, um, I think a lot about what I want to do with my life. I have little mini existential crises in my life all the time. We're like, what am I doing? Who am I? (laughs) You know, like, what does it all mean? Am I meant to be a cake decorator? You know, uh, And I think that's just the artist in me. But uh, so I kind of saw myself as this person who may look back on their life at some point and you see everything that you've done and accomplished and it might make you feel happy or it might make you feel sad. My piece was this uh, old lady because I wanted to do someone, you know, a person. We already talked about how much I love making people. Mm -hmm. So uh, normally I would do like a younger face, like a beautiful person who's just like, you know, a princess or something. But I wanted to do an older face with like lots of wrinkles and like lines and all this texture. And she was going to be sitting at a desk that was like a makeup mirror. And she was going to be looking at herself in the reflection of this mirror. And she would see herself as a younger version. And she was going to be holding like a letter in her hand. There was going to be like a journal on the desk and like a picture of maybe it's not clear what, but maybe a husband mm-hmm. or somebody that she lost. He was going to be like in a war uniform and uh, her hair was going to be done in pinup, uh, what are they called? Victory rolls. So it kind of gave you the impression that this person lived through a certain period of time. Like when people were going off to war and, <clears throat> and maybe, uh, you know, had, had a lot of life experience. 
I never knew my grandma, so this was just kind of like a thing I made up in my mind about what it's probably like. And so I had to show in-process photos of the whole structure, and thankfully, they did not make us use real cake. They, they, and this is the rule still to this day. So if you ever want to, you know, do a competition, this is a great one. Because what they do is they, they make you show the structure and, and make note of how this would support real cake. But then you're allowed to use styrofoam in place of cake because you have to travel with it. <laughs> so, uh, and it had to be at least 100 servings of cake, quote unquote. So my piece was uh, on a two foot by two foot square board which is not big, um, to have like a whole person in a desk, yeah. you know, and I packaged her up into a cardboard box and I drilled holes through the base of the board and then attached like nuts and bolts so that the board was then attached to the back, the box, mm-hmm. um, like it was attached to the bottom of the box with screws So if the box ever turned upside down, she wouldn't go crashing into the top of the box or be like rolling around like an ornament in a metal pan. (laughs) She was was secured. And uh, uh, because the only way I knew to get her there was to take her on the plane. And you know how they treat your luggage. Oh, yeah. Like whatever. So I had this very, very clear memory of us being at the airport. And I'm looking for my box. I'm looking for my box. And I see it just come rolling down the conveyor belt like end over end you're like ah (laughs) but we uh went a few days ahead of time i opened up the box and she did have a little bit of like squished hair but not honestly nothing else Mm -hmm. was broken whatsoever and then i i saved all of the final details like pouring the isomalt mirror and you know all of the other kind of things for the before while i was there we worked in the hotel and uh I've never competed before. I had no idea what I was up against. I'd never seen other cakes at competition shows except for what I saw online. And, you know, I dropped off my cake. I set it up. I got to meet all kinds of cake people that were like my idols at the time and now are just my friends, which is so cool to say. And I didn't realize that cake shows, they go, they say that they end like two o'clock on a Sunday um, so I scheduled my flight to leave, I think at like four o'clock that Sunday, but there's an award ceremony and I was gone for the award ceremony <laughs> because I didn't know there was one. There was, you know, nobody told me. Yeah. <clears throat> and so my friend had called me, she called me and she was like, Liz, Liz, you won. And I was like, oh my gosh, I won first place. And she's like, no, you won best in show. And I was like, what? I didn't even know that was a thing you could win. And she was like, yeah, you won best cake out of all of the categories, all of the wedding cakes, all of the sugar flower pieces, like everything. Yours was named best in show. I couldn't believe it. And uh, they like shipped me my swag like boxes with my award and all of that stuff. And people, so I posted the picture on Facebook and people told me that this piece made them cry. Like it was so beautiful that it moved them to tears because it just reminded them of what it felt like to be younger or it made them think about what how they might feel when they got older. So, I mean, and that's why I made it is because that's mm-hmm. how I was feeling, but I didn't think about how that might transfer into other people. And people took pictures of themselves with the cake and they'd be like it, taking selfies with it. 
and uh, a bakery reached out to me and she said, I love your cake so much. I want to take it back to my bakery in Louisiana and put it on display and keep it forever. And it's still there. Oh my it's gosh. Still there. Like she's had it all this time since 2014. So the reason, obviously that was a great experience to win in it, in it um, was really wonderful. But what it taught me was that it is so important when you're creating cake art or just any art that you feel passionate about, <clears throat> it has to resonate with yourself. You have to feel like it tells a story that is meaningful for, for you. So from that point on, every co cake competition piece I ever made, I would make up a story about it. I'd say, okay, what's the story behind this cake? This cake is about this and this is what's happening in that story and this is what the main character in the story is going through and I try to show that in the cake design and it's not like there's no words right there's no no way to actually convey that story except through visuals and that had helped me a lot with future winning future cake competitions I had another cake that did really well in Austin a couple years later and it was Mother Earth and she was like, uh, she was a mountain and she had like water running out of her womb like it was a waterfall and her hair was made of flowers and she was floating on a floating island and giving birth to all the animals and things. And so that was a story, you know, that I wrote yeah. and, and it takes it beyond just the, oh, that's a pretty cake. You know, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's really well done. It's to, oh my gosh, this is making me feel emotions you know and uh so that that i think that first cake is my always going to be my favorite because it taught me a lot about putting myself into my projects and and uh it's almost like being vulnerable right yeah you just kind of uh it's a, like what if they didn't like it then I'm, well that went from being vulnerable to being embarrassing <laughs> you know <laughs> But no, I think people like, I like, uh, people like to connect to other people through art, even if it's just cake, right? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that sounds like such a cool show. I mean, we'll have to look it up or yeah. Like Texas people go, go big. big or go home. Oh my God. The, <laughs> stuff that, the stuff that you see there is insane. Like the show in, in Miami is a fun show cause it's Miami and everybody loves to party there. But the, the, the cake decorators in Texas are on a whole other level, and you have to really bring it. And it's almost like being in a, a museum rather than a cake show because the sculptures that you see are just, like, unbelievable, totally unbelievable. So yeah. if, you're in, if you're in Austin, Texas, definitely look for that show next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds like a great and kind of like a unique kind of travel opportunity to go because I've never even, like, heard of a cake show before but that seems like oh really my cool. gosh uh girl you're gonna they are all levels of competition too you know i'm just putting that out there <laughs> beginners intermediate yes. juniors um my daughter is now old enough to officially compete so next year she will be i'll be there and she will be there and um, i'm really excited for her to be making her very first cake for the junior competition and to experience she because she loves the whole cake decorating everything you know she's been playing with fondant ever since she could hold a she you know some kids have like play-doh tools she has fondant tools <laughs> <you know? laughs> so uh it's it's a really fun family experience and um there's classes you can take uh, if you want to learn certain techniques um there's tons of booths 
So you can shop for things that you may have never seen before, like molds and cutters. And we used to have booths for our school. And, um, but it's so much to pack, like, you yeah. know, to pack around. So, uh, now I just usually teach, I usually teach a class or do demos or something. And then I usually compete cause I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't compete anymore, but it's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good excuse to make something insane. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And something that like just you want to make too, and that you think would be like super duper cool. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I've only so competed fun. in like local ginger ride contests, but um, yeah, yeah, I know. I did like a big piece this year. It was like, um, it was like Snoopy from the Peanuts, like his whole like dog house and like decorated for Christmas, and then like a little yeah. like gingerbread Snoopy like hammering something on. Yeah. yeah, that was that was another fun delivery. Like I remember, like I don't know why I like made the gingerbread like kind of thin, and like when we went to deliver it, it like the like Snoopy just kind of like fell backwards like he's kind of standing on a stool next to the house yeah (laughs) but um yeah that one was kind of an easy fix but yeah it was like a fun it's always like a fun time to just make like big pieces like that and you know kind of do something that's like super creative and fun and it's around all of like your peers right all of the people Mm -hmm. that are in in the industry that was some that was a really big step that I had to take from going uh, from someone who was learning to be a cake decorator to someone who was teaching people how to be a cake decorator because so the more competitions I won, the more I portrayed myself as someone who you would want to learn from because you're like, Oh, I want to work. I want to win competition competitions. So I want Liz to teach. So then I would get asked to teach the techniques that I was using in the competition cakes that I, cause I was winning so you see how that kind of like led to mm-hmm. being in from a position of student to now I am teaching. And then around 2016, when Avalon was about two, uh, I was invited to, cause I, I would have been competing, competing like literally at every show from 2014 to 2016 and winning most of the time because I am over the top and would bring it to a level that was like out of the world, out of this world, you know. And because I was not making cakes every week like a bakery normally does, honestly, I had an advantage. I could spend mm-hmm. weeks and weeks working on something because I didn't have a bakery. I could dedicate a lot of time to working on a competition piece. And then I'd show up and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, like, when did you have time to do this? And they're like, oh, you know. But uh, I got invited to do a tour around Australia um, and New Zealand in 2016. I taught in uh, all over every like from uh, Sydney to the Gold Coast to Melbourne. And then we hopped on over to New Zealand and taught there. And uh, just because I was winning competitions and so many people in uh, Australia wanted me wanted to take a class for me so like one of the cake decorating stores there hosted me at their various stores and I got to travel there with my husband and my daughter and see Australia but also be teaching and um, and then we went you know that that year we also went to Canada and uh, gosh I feel like we went to oh we went to Ireland and to United Kingdom it was a very very busy year yeah. but um that also taught me that I don't like to fly that much. <laughs> so <laughs> I slowed it down a little bit. 
I think that sometimes it can appear and maybe hopefully this podcast has really helped anybody who's listening see that things don't happen overnight and um, it does it it doesn't appear that things are happening but they are every small step you take leads to the next thing and then it leads to the next thing and to be honest a lot of those times I didn't know what the next thing was going to be but if you're passionate about what you're doing and you're enjoying what you're doing and you're trying to do it your way and you're ignoring what people say with oh you're not I mean granted you want to make stuff that content people are liking but that's that's the only people you pay attention to. If your your actual followers and your audience are saying, you know, Liz, when you film, I really wish you'd hold the camera closer to your subject so I could see better. That's helpful feedback. I'm gonna make changes based off of that feedback. If somebody says, Liz, you know, I just don't like it when you don't wear makeup. It's like, all right, well, sorry, I don't wear makeup because I'm a cake decorator and that's not important to me. So that's not that, too bad, you know. Um, but don't get lost in all of the things, like all of the platforms. Oh, I got to be on Instagram. I got to be on TikTok. I got to be on Facebook. I got to be on uh, Pinterest or wherever. Pick a, pick a place. Pick YouTube or wherever you want to be. Make your content. Reach your audience. Listen to the feedback they have to say. And just keep pushing to the next stage. And when something comes along that seems a little scary, and you're just like, oh, I don't know about that. That's usually when that's a step, right? You're stepping into another phase of your career. Um, you don't have to, though. Like, that's just me. That's just how, mm -hmm. you know, if you want to know how I got to where I was, that's how it was. Lots of yeah. steps of, like, I'm not sure. And then I just said yes. And sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. But if any, you always learn something, 100%. No matter what happens, you always learn something and that learning is always invaluable even if it's a hard lesson <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I think that's like really great advice and I think that's like a perfect way to kind of like sum up and kind of just like sum up this discussion that we've been having and I think that's a really great like yeah. stopping place for the episode so thank you so much for coming on today like I had the best time yeah. talking with you and this was like actually so helpful and just it was amazing Oh, good. I'm so glad. I I really enjoyed it. I didn't ever think that I'd like to do podcasts, but now that I've done a few, I'm like, you know what? This is not so bad. It's kind of fun going back in time, right? And kind of thinking about, what? How did I get here? Gosh, I don't even know if I've really ever thought about it. It just seems like it kind of happened. But yeah. And uh, it's nice to see what is helpful. Gosh, I really hope it is helpful. I, for one, can't wait to listen to it. sugargeekshow.com and sign up for access to her whole library of bacon content as well as delicious recipes and tips for you to try. You can also check her out at Sugar Geek Show on any social media platforms. You can check out this podcast on our website www.fascinatingjobs.xyz or on Instagram at fascinating underscore jobs underscore pod and Twitter at fascinating